He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast, for ending my year in glorious fashion. I mentioned it sometime recently. Spotify has sent me all sorts of data that they have wrapped my year. And I'm honestly moved to be part of your top tens, your top fives, your number one podcast of the year. Thank you so much for supporting, listening, most important for hanging in there. (laughs) When I feel like a struggling, this doesn't, this isn't baseball anymore, but there used to be a time when there was a middle reliever, a man who was just trying to get a job done through innings three through seven or something like that. You know, a mop, not a mop-up guy, but just a long reliever just out there throwing batting practice. (laughs) It's not like today in baseball where everything's hyper-specialized, I think, and you put the reliever in in the bottom of the first inning, and then you bring in nine more relievers. This was a time where a man just had to get through a few innings when he didn't have his best stuff, and there have been podcasts like that, certainly, and I'm really grateful for you sticking with me and understanding they're not all going to be home runs, but, uh, you know, every once in a while we we strike gold. So thank you for all the all the support. I'm really excited about it and and optimistic, not just because it's the end of the year and looking forward, but uh, optimistic because, like I've said, this is how I play clubs. This is how I headline across the country. I cannot, do not, will not pick up my daughter, my women, put them in the covered wagon and drive from city to city like a grinding 31-year-old comic doing one-nighters in every city, becoming a fucking monster comic on the way, by the way. I can't do it like that. I'm going to have to do it a bit uh, differently. So make me go viral. Tell everyone about this podcast. And then you'll hear me tell uh, stories from the road where I can fly in on a Thursday, fly out on a Sunday, and uh, you know not get divorced or refer to defects, bro. So thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Uh, one more podcast note. I mentioned last time that there is going to be a new segment that I would debut today. I've decided to move the debut of it until the beginning of the year because I want to make sure I do it right. And candidly, what I'm trying to decide if I'm going to do is a segment called This Is Us, uh, meaning this is U.S., uh, and identifying and riffing on for a few minutes, maybe 10 minutes uh, on a podcast, someone that comes to my attention as representing the United States of America, good, bad, and other, or good, bad, or other, because there are lots of fucking heroes. And I was thinking about calling it This Is Us, or This Is U.S., or American Spirit, and just talking about, like, hey, there's a congresswoman who uh, has a restaurant where the servers come to your table with rifles. And that's her interpretation of the American dream, and I would talk about that for a little bit. There is somebody else who feels that, uh, you know, maybe crosses shouldn't be burned. Maybe there should be, um, you know, people like John Patrick McDonald in in Southie who like gets different communities poor white people poor people of color working together organizing and realizing that it's class structure all these things are socioeconomic issues and not just race 
all of these different American experiences, and I'm not going to interview anybody. Don't don't worry. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm very proud to be an American. I'm not at all proud to be an American. I'm glad. I don't know what I'm, like, like I've told you before, I don't know if I'm, my daughter, are you proud of me? Well, that sounds like I'm, I don't know, like conditionally accepting you. I fucking love you. I got you. Let's go. She hasn't said that to me in, you know, a year and a half. Are you proud of me? I don't know what it means to be proud. What does that mean? My parents split up when I was eight. I was, my mom had me when I was, when she was 22. I've been insecure for large swaths of my life. What does that mean to be proud? I don't know. I've done big things in my life. Things that I'm, I don't know what it means. Maybe it's just the Irish, Irishman, the the lay Catholic. <laughs> oh, you Catholics, lay. Maybe it's the lay Catholic in me that doesn't understand what it is to be proud and I should just always hate myself, which I don't. But I don't know what it what it is to be proud. I'm very glad to be an American. Um, but I don't know what it is to be proud. Tell me. Write into the podcast. Here's what it means to be proud, you motherfucker who didn't ever have to stand up, post, and do all those other Jack Nicholson things and a few good men. I don't know what it means to be proud. If you are proud, that's good for you. It's like you don't speak Greek and I don't either. So I was either going to do something called This Is U.S. I'm, 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 you know what I am? I'm taken by being an American. And I feel like my jank or my own Americanness is just as fucking American as anyone else's. Right? That's probably a theme that recurs across this podcast. And so what I think about doing is doing This Is U.S. or American Spirit where I find someone who I believe embodies what it is to be an American, like John Patrick McDonald, who wrote uh, who wrote those those two books about you know growing up in Southie, or someone like the Congresswoman in Colorado who sees the United States of America as, as guns up. This is Lubbock, Texas, or, or rifle Colorado. Like, and would I make fun of her? Of course I would, but it's also what she believes, and. You know, it's her interpretation of Americanism. Americanism. Anyway, that's it's either going to be that, or perhaps more entertaining and more productive. Will I have a sex? Uh, will I call the little um, new segment three for five or three fives? And that's where I spend five minutes on material that I have, but trying to elaborate it. And I won't like. It's not going to be like a. And here's how the joke works. It'll be like, this is a joke about, um, you know, political hypocrisy. And then I will take five minutes to further try to explore the idea because that might be entertaining and uh, something that you'll be listening to as you're on a train between Berlin and Munich. And you'll say, thank goodness I am not that guy trying to work out that bit. Um, But it also will be something that I could hopefully then make good on the name of the podcast and actually help get my act together. So I'm leaning toward the latter. I'm leaning, even though the American exploration uh, and American spirit is very interesting, I think what we're going to do, it's going to be called like three fives, and I'll spend 
five. There'll be a fifteen-minute segment in in each of the of the Tuesday podcasts. But it'll be one of the two podcasts, probably probably the Tuesday podcast, where I spend five minutes on three different bits, trying to elaborate them and get more out of them and and make them funnier and bigger. But I will circle back with you at the beginning of the year to let you know. I think it's going to be that one, three fives. Uh, I'm going to take a sip of this water here. Open it. If you are, yes, I am recording this in my car. I have the remote, uh, the mobile setup tonight, the mobile recording studio. I'm in the car uh, because I have uh, a little bit of fire in me and I I don't want to be self-conscious talking late at night while there are mammals sleeping in my house. My wife and I went out for dinner tonight. It's Monday night. We had a nice dinner. Had a glass of wine. I only had one. My wife had two. I was I was counting her drinks. <laughs> and we got home and we have a babysitter who is great and got home and the girl was crying, which was odd because she should have been asleep two hours ago and probably was, but she woke up either hot wondering where her parents were, whatever it was, but she was crying, which is pretty rare. And so then I went in there, and uh, I told you we have a thing where when she's in a state, I've given her, you know, I, we listen to Bill Withers a lot, and I've said to her, you hear what he says here, there There comes a time when, when anyway, when it's good to lean on someone, so don't be too proud don't be afraid to call me. And so when, as we have, we, we get ourselves in states, when we get in the red zone, I also, I have said to her, like, so do you want to lean on me? And then she's like, yes, please. And she comes in, we have a hug, regulate, get on the same page, and we move forward. And so now it's great because whenever she's like, gets really sort of wound up or frustrated because she's fucking three and change and can't fully express her needs wants and everything else she will lose her marbles as toddlers do so now she'll say can i lean on you and it's so great i'm like yeah girl come on in i got you and then within 45 seconds she's cracking up talking about uh, her new pet pig her stuffed pig whose name is ping pong who she said she's going to take on the plane and we go to California on Wednesday, and she is going to make sure to hold on to ping pong when the plane lands and the pilot puts on the brakes. Because, as she said, uh, ping pong does not like thing does not like things that go fast. So, I went in, I held her. Uh, she said, "Can I lean on you?" I was like, "Of course, girl." Sat in the uh, little kind of rocking chair in there for a few minutes, and. Uh, Got her straight away. And now I'm out here, like I said, with a little bit of energy, so I I didn't want to stay inside. I mentioned jokes and my, whoops, jokes and my act and getting it together. And I will not tell you how satisfied I am with my act. What I'm here to tell you right now before I tell you about Limerick and cause everyone in Chicago to tune out. But you know what? You might want to stay tuned, people in Chicago, because I hypocritically watched the World Cup final. It was the only match of the World Cup that I that I actually watched. I did watch the final, uh, and I think was as moved by everyone else when you saw the great 
Argentine goalkeeper put the trophy at his crotch <laughs> and salute the good people of Qatar. But I want to tell you very quickly, if you're looking for stand-up comedy to watch this holiday season on your television after you've eaten, after you've had your drinks, after you've gone out to see live stand-up comedy, after you've come to Limerick, do yourself a favor and watch Phil Hanley's special uh, what's it called? Ooh La La, which, you know, is the Faces song, which is a terrific song. And by the way, if you're a guitar player, it's not that hard to play the riff to Ooh La La. I think it's put a capo, it's capo one. <laughs> capo one to play Ooh La La. I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger. I think, actually, I might have a podcast episode called Ooh La La. But Phil Hanley's special is magical. He is at the peak of his powers. We watched it the other night, late the other night, my wife and I. And as as Lemmy said, Motorhead, I had a rictus grin. I could not, by the end of the 50 minutes or whatever it is, my, fa- my, my face muscles hurt. They were tired from smiling and laughing the whole time they were just pulled like the joker that's how i felt like the joker it is so good and so funny and my gosh is he such a pro and in the pocket and i hope this means that now he's going to be headlining everywhere all the time because it's so good so check out ooh la la uh phil hanley's special uh i don't know what to say i watch a lot of stand-up comedy and and very rarely do I laugh consistently or persistently across someone's act. And not like just like, oh, that was a good joke. I see what you did there. This is just like I said about Shane Gillis special. It's just fucking funny. So much of stand up these days <laughs> sounds like an old man, which I am. But I'm talking about old men. And there are lots of old men whose specials are fucking hack and young men whose specials are not funny at all. Just be funny. That's all you have to do. Just be funny. And Shane Gillis' special and Phil Handling's special are funny. They're fucking hilarious people who also are good stand-up comics. And I feel like a lot of times those two things do not, uh, the Venn diagrams do not overlap perfectly. Fun, hilarious people also are good at stand-up comedy. And by the way, me, probably funnier than I am good at stand-up comedy. And in that case, you're listening like, dude, <laughs> you must suck eggs on stage. Anyway, check it out. Ooh la la, Phil Henley. Henley's special. Very, very funny. Now, do you want to come to Limerick for my last Limerick of the year? That's correct. My last limerick of the year. Yeah, tonight, December 20th. It's The lineup is ridiculous. What are we doing here? Who's on it? Khalil White making his return. In town, I believe now he lives and is killing the game in Denver, Colorado. Denver or... I don't know, fucking Colorado's Colorado. He's in Rifletown, Colorado. <laughs> Casey Rocket who is absolutely hilarious, and I will not tell you. Casey Rocket is a comic 
who falls into a small group of people who I actually like remember their bits and their specific jokes. But I saw him on Limerick one time open with a very simple one-liner, and I still tell people about it. And every time I tell them about it, they crack up. So I'm thrilled that he's going to be on the show. Carlette Jennings, my uh, film and television wife and Limerick favorite, Limerick, Re- Limerick regular is going to be on. That's a pretty good start. Khalil White, Casey Rocket, Carlette Jennings. They all could do 20 minutes and we'd have a nice tight show. However, they're not. And we have more people that are going to be on the show, including Will Foskey, who now, as I probably say weekly, his YouTube special has over 300,000 views. Foskey is going to be followed by B. King Bling Bling, Brian King, who closed out Limerick last week with authority. So who else could possibly go after that lineup? Well, I'll tell you who. The person whose voice you hear right at the beginning of the podcast, Brent Starr, is returning for his monthly Limerick spot. The more Brent comes around, the better our lives are. And Brent is going to be... uh, i got to make sure Brent is on every month in... In 2023 as well. Brent Starr, for those of you who are listening for the first time, in Genoa, Italy. Thank you very much. In Madagascar? I didn't know that... I thought that was just a rock. I didn't know that there was, like, the internet there. Anyway, shout out to y'all, Madagascar. Thank you for listening. Brent Starr, or... And in Argentina... In Argentina, home of the world champion Abi Celeste, Argentine Argentine national soccer team. Did I say that right? Argentina, you know what I'm talking about. Argentina just won the World Cup. I'll get to that in a second. Brent Starr, whose voice is the first one you hear in this podcast. He's got a podcast. What's the name of it, Joe? Yes, it's called Getting My Act Together, and Brent is going to murder Limerick and when I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to text him and say, can you do once a, week, once a month, every month in 2023 at Limerick? And who's closing out? Kylie Vincent, who is undefeated at Limerick and I believe is undefeated everywhere I've ever seen her. She did a one-woman show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival last year or this year. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? If you're in Chicago, just just turn off the goddamn transistor radio. You don't have to listen to me talk about Limerick. But just know what you're missing. And that lineup I just gave you, Chicago, is better. And tell everyone. Tell Lil Rel. Tell anyone in Chicago. <laughs> that is the best. That, that lineup that I just gave you is better than any lineup happening in Chicago tonight. I guarantee it. Like George Zimmer, or whatever his name is, the guy with the the cheap suits. Just a guy in a cheap suit. So anyway, come down to Limerick. Argentina won the World Cup. I'm so excited for them. I'm so I'm so excited for them. I'm so thrilled. Because as I've said, maybe it was the era in which I grew up under Diego Armando Maradona. I just as a, as a boy, as a lad, 
loved the blue and white stripes of Argentina. I loved the blue and white stripes. Not like they wore yesterday. They had the white shorts on yesterday. But they used to have the black shorts and on the left, the front left thigh of the black shorts, I believe, did they have their number. So on Maradona's uh, black left black thigh, what am I trying to say? On the black short on his left thigh, did he have the number 10 on the outside? Yesterday they wore white shorts. But goddamn was it cool when I was a kid that they had black shorts and blue and white striped shirts with the AFI, AFA. It would be funny if it was, if it was AFI. <laughs> it was all sad and gothy and really good. Davy Havoc and at center back for the Abba Celeste. Anyway... The AFA, uh, Argent Association Football Argentina, I don't know what it stands for, but it is so great that they won. And what's so great is Messi, 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 Messi won, and now people are saying, well, you might have to reconsider, is he the greatest? Or this confirms he is the greatest player of all time. And I don't know if you watched the game or not. If you didn't, you're probably like, one of seven people on the planet, I suppose. But it was a thrilling game. Learned sports watchers, people who waste way more time watching sports than I do, say it might not have been only the greatest World Cup final. It might not have been only the greatest soccer game ever played. It might have been the greatest sporting event. And like, how much hyperbole can we possibly have? The greatest sporting event of all time. I don't know about any of that, but I know that when Messi, 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 Messi stepped up to take that first penalty kick early in the game, what were we, 20 minutes in or something like that, my wife and I were, we were, we were holding hands. <laughs> we were, I was so nervous for him. And he was like, I'm Messi, Messi, Messi. What Messi did with all the pressure of the globe on him is he, he rose to the occasion as he always does. He made the penalty kick. I was, I was so glad and relieved for him. He made the penalty kick. He was instrumental in the second goal, which was uh, football at a very high level. One touch football except for Messi's. And then the cross to Angel Di Maria, who did not flub his lines, Di Maria. <laughs> and it's 2 nothing, and here we go, Argentina. And then all of a sudden, at the 78th or somewhere like in the in the 70s, I'm not going to recap the game for you. I'm like, this is Argentina. This is they're going to win handily. And then Otamendi, we do not have a Nicolas Otamendi. We do not have such a player. Mourinho used to cry. Otamendi drags somebody down, so Mbappe easily steps up smashes a penalty kick. All of a sudden, it's 2-1 Argentina, and France is like, we have life. A minute and a half later, some chicanery happens in front of goal. Mbappe gets it again. Blam, smashes it home. 2-2. Oh, my God. What is going to happen to Lionel Messi? What is going to happen to his family? It, it was just, no way. Also, do we... I don't want to say we don't want France to win, but who's rooting for France outside of France? 
You know what I mean? Also, the I found myself, as much as I wanted Argentina to win, and I wanted Messi to win, the most successful soccer player of all time, the wealthiest soccer player of all time, I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him because this is the one he needed in that soccer-mad country with 100% inflation. I don't know what that means, but... But Argentina also, when I was a kid, was the first first time I ever heard the expression hyperinflation. So they know how to do that. And you know what? I love the fucking bank robbery in Argentina. You remember me talking about that? Notice I've cut down the F words. No, we don't, dude. So as much as I wanted this team, this country, this man to win the World Cup, I also gently wanted France to lose <clears throat> because there's something going on as I watch the World Cup as, as I watch French soccer as I watch them win the last World Cup <laughs> which was played in Russia <laughs> come on FIFA Russia then Qatar and there's something about the players on the French roster and their names, and what I presume to be the origin of their grandparents and the colonies from which their ancestors spring, their perhaps religions, their journey through French society, shall we say. And then there is the French crowd which looks very, very different, and I imagine their names are very different. And this is the story of the world, of course, and I'm not holding French. I'm just talking shit a little bit. But I don't know how easy, easy, I don't know. I wanted, when it comes to France, I wanted the players to win, but I wanted the country to lose. And I know those things are incompatible, but they're just thoughts I had. It reminded me, I was thinking about it as I was watching it. I'm like, I want these players. I want Kingsley Coleman to win, but I want the country that he's representing to lose. It was the, I was thinking about it. It was the, I guess, inverse of when people were wanted the United States basketball team to win for the United States that team that lost in the Olympics in Greece or whenever that was. I, I don't know. There was an Olympics where the U.S. basketball team finally lost. And it was like the American people, the most patriotic ones, were not really fucking with the basketball team, the players themselves. I'm the truth like AI. Carmelo. That era of team, they lost. And you got the sense that the I don't know I just in the zeitgeist and there's no way to measure this stuff exactly yes there is be an academic it felt like America that the U.S. the flag waving the patriotic Americans wanted the U.S. to win but they didn't want these players to win and neither won so they were they got half of what they wanted except they showed I, I don't know. anyway I wanted the what am I trying to say here? I'm just trying to say I was rooting for the players, but not for 
what I perceive to be the country that has made their the journeys and the assimilation and the accommodation of their colonial emigres so fucking challenging and racist and all that. Okay, there, I kind of said it. But I'm rooting for Messi, 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 and Argentina, Di Maria, who I love, who was like, God damn, I got subbed out of this game early. The ghost of Diego Armando Maradona looking down, looking up, depending on <laughs> your persuasion. Larger than life as ever. It's 2-2 after Mbappe blasts home. It goes to the 90th minute and we go into extra time and we end extra time and it's 2-2. And like, holy shit, did France just come did, did Argentina just give away the World Cup that they led by two goals and I don't I've never understood soccer players write in and please tell me yes Joe Smith at gmail.com why do they say 2-0 is the worst score to have it's the toughest lead to have you're winning by two goddamn goals I don't understand that but it's the most dangerous lead to have for some reason maybe there's like uh, some statistic about why you know people become complacent with a two-goal lead i don't know what it is is this a sports podcast no but it was an amazing once in a lifetime game and i will not have this be the final athletic tale of today's podcast but i will wrap it up and i'll tell you about my daughter who now is jogging with me every saturday and sunday with her little tiny legs (laughs) and mittens and it's been in the 30s it was in the 30s yesterday i'll tell you about that We go into extra time. We move through the first period of extra time, right? We play two 15-minute uh, extra time periods. The first 15, nothing happens. The second 15, all of a sudden, there is a scramble in front of the French goal. And who should be opportunistic there and smash home a goal to make it 3-2? But Lionel Andres Messi. Messi, Messi, Messi scores his second goal of the game, and all his team needs to do is see out seven minutes, eight minutes, something like that, and they will bring back the World Cup to Buenos Aires, home of the greatest bank robbery of all time, one of the most ambitious, creative, artistic criminals you will ever see. And I'm not talking about Pinochet, okay? Well, Pinochet might have been Chile. Pinochet was Argentina. Anyway, Pinochet, I'm talking about that bank-robbing Argentine who did it as an artistic expression. It was unbelievable. And he wanted to hurt no one. He didn't even use real guns. It would be the first time they brought back the World Cup since 1986, 36 years. They've only won two World Cups. That's incredible to me, Argentina. I guess I grew up in the heyday. Their first one was in 78, their second one was in 86, and now they have a third. But all they have to do is see out the game for seven and a half, eight minutes, and they cannot stand success. I can only imagine my wife and I were watching the game. The girl was next to us watching kind of i mean it was a three hour and ten minute affair when when it was all said and done so she did well to stick by us but um 
we were ulcerative, if that's a thing. We were just so uh, anxiety-ridden. I can only imagine what it was like for Argentines, for people who are really eating steak yesterday. They cannot stand success, the blue and white. And what happens is there is a goddamn handball, a clear and obvious handball on an Argentine. He jumps up, he spins away, and sticks his arms out like he's making a snow angel in the air doing a jumping jack. The ball hits him off the arm. The referee points to the spot. Kylian Mbappe, who makes like seven... I, I found the salary. He gets paid like 70 million euros a year by PSG. Paris. Sorry. You know this is not a sports podcast, but it's a goddamn World Cup. It comes around to the deserts of Qatar and and the uh, dictatorship of Russia every four years. So I have to talk about it. It will not be a sports podcast on Friday. By the way, uh, Friday's podcast I'll be, will have been recorded in Southern California, so it shall be balmy, hopefully. Mbappe gets paid $70 million by whoever owns PSG. Who, 70 million euro, pardon me, which is much more than $70 million. Who owns PSG? I'm pretty sure, sure Qatar owns PSG. Anyway, Mbappe, who's only 23 years old. Imagine being 23 years old and making something like $100 million a year. Try to get, try to get your head around that. Try to get your head around making that much money at all, let alone being 23. How would you have handled it? <laughs> and I know if you're being prepared to make 70 million euro at the age of 23, you're probably more mature than most 23-year-olds and you're not just going to be handed that money. But my goodness, that's uh, too, too much is given, much is asked, I suppose. Mbappe makes it 3-3 on the penalty kick. We play the rest of the second overtime period. Nothing happens. We go to penalty kicks. It is what it is. It's the, it's the sport. It seems kind of silly to end it that way, but it's how they like to do it and always have. I remember the World Cup here in 28 years ago, 1994, ended in... You know, penalty kicks when Roberto Baggio missed for Italy. And I think Brazil, Brazil, Brazil won. Thank you, Brazilian listeners, by the way. I don't know. You're multiplying like rabbits. I mean, you are Brazilian. You like to get after it. Thank you for the support. I went down the long list of people listening in, in Minero and, and everywhere else that I'm mispronouncing your, your places. But, uh, you know, I was pulling for you. And as much as it's going to kill you to know that, I... I also was rooting for Argentina, your arch, <laughs> arch rival. So, uh, all right. We get to penalty kicks. What happens? Well, Mbappe goes first for France. Is, is this how it went? Mbappe goes first for France, makes it. So that's his fourth time netting the ball. That's amazing in a World Cup final. He makes two penalty kicks in regulation. He has a goal in regulation, and then he... He smashes the the first uh, penalty kick penalty kick in. 
Then who kicks first for Argentina? Does a leader do this or does someone else step up or do it? No. Messi says, I will take the first penalty kick. And he knocks it home for his third time finding net on the day. Then what happens? Then the next kick from uh, Kingsley Coleman, I think, actually is who it was, right? Saved by the Argentine goalkeeper, Emmy Martinez, who plays for Aston Villa, of all things, of all places. A big, a once, a once big club. A big club, you know, now lost in the sea of money, but they probably, too, will get taken over by an oil-rich nation, like all the best teams do. And then they'll be good again. Anyway, he saves the penalty kick, so all of a sudden, pressure builds. <coughs> Diabola, or whoever it was next for Argentina. All right, gives a fuck. Argentina wins on a miss by... Uh, no, French dude misses, then Argentina makes, and it's off, and it's over. Argentina wins, and at the end of the game, as we're waiting for the trophy to be presented... They give the awards for um, young player of the tournament, for highest score of the tournament, for goalie who is most likely to take the trophy and put it on his cock and salute the world. (laughs) Please tell me you saw the image of Emmy Martinez with the golden gloves, I think they're called, uh, at waist level, and he's putting a little oomph into it. As a man who, uh, how can I say this, is dressed in what seems to be traditional Qatari attire. Uh, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not that edge lord fucking with the culture. He just is a dude dressed in robes and uh, you know whatever that that headscarf is called. I don't know. Oh, because I'm because I don't fucking know anyway. Emmy Martinez is like, and and you can hear the Fox commentators like, oh no, this is not a, this is not what we want. I'm like, dude, he's not American. He's in a more macho country than the United States of America. He's in Arge- he's an Argentine, and he's saying, suck my fucking gloves. <laughs> I did it. I saved the day. Most importantly, on that save right before the end. Anyway, this is too much soccer. I didn't mean to talk all about this. That talk about this. Then Messi comes out, and right before he goes to raise the World Cup with his team, the whoever from uh, Qatar, I guess, I don't know what an emir is, but he is an important person, I suppose, and the corrupt uh, president of FIFA, they put a traditional robe on Messi that covers up much of his you know, iconic jersey, the blue and white with the 10 on it. Messi hoists the cup. And apparently the world lost its marbles. Most people reacted like, I can't, most people who don't know anything about it reacted like, I can't believe Messi, they did it. Oh my God, this is the ultimate uh, sports washing of, uh, you know, dirty Qatari money by having Messi wear the robe. And then other people like, well, that's Islamophobic because you don't understand. It's actually an honor, X, Y, and Z. And I don't fucking know. All I know is Messi won. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Argentina. And you know what I'm going to do in the next... I'm going to do this in the next... There's going to be the year 23 and there's going to be the year 24. And in within those two years, I'm going to go to Argentina. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do stand-up. 
I'm going to do stand-up, and I'm going to talk about why I still think Maradona is the greatest of all time because of his own demons. But Messi has to be Messi has to be the greatest, doesn't he? Also, because Maradona doesn't have a as much as everybody was on Maradona's ass. The media, while he is drugging and boozing his way to title after title, he just has a bunch of paparazzi. Messi has probably 150 Instagram followers. He has people way more dangerous than paparazzi. He has money men. He has Nike. He has Qatar. He has all these bloodthirsty motherfuckers after him, and he still stepped up to the task. He has the weight of the globe of the people, and he's a man of the people, real people. And he has the corporate pressure, and he has the brand ambassador and the icon of the sport. And he still stepped up, much like Michael Jordan did. He stepped up and he fucking delivered when it counted. Pardon, that F word just was necessary there. And for that, he might have to be the greatest. I didn't know I would come to that, but he might have to be the greatest. They're, they're, to me, they're both the greatest right now, okay? All right, very quickly, and then I will let you go because we are nearing that time. My daughter, for the last two to three weekends, now goes running with me. You understand, she's like 36 inches. That's how tall she is. That's not very tall. And she weighs like, I don't know, 39 pounds or something like that. She's a small person, and each week weekend, she jogs a mile with me. She jogs a mile. So what I do is I usually go out on Saturday morning, and I will, if I don't walk the dogs first thing in the morning, I will uh, have coffee, and we'll hang out, and everyone has breakfast, etc. And then I will take the two dogs. I'll run one for a mile. I'll run another dog for a mile. And then I'll come back, and I'll get my daughter and we will run around our uh, block like, I think it's like three times. It's like 2.75 or three three times around the block. I, I, have, a, I have a little uh, watch, a Garmin watch that tells me how far I've gone for a mile. And on the other side of where we live, there's a Clemson fan, which is, uh, you know, has given me... A great joke, thank you. <laughs> Not a great joke, but a joke that I really like telling about Clemson. And so if we go that way, we call it a Clemson mile. And if we go up another way, we have a, uh, a nickname for that route. So my daughter, who was that tall and uh, that small, now runs a mile with me each Saturday and Sunday. And I'm trying to be like Richard Williams, King Richard or Earl Woods. I'm trying to make a superhuman. It's pretty funny that she wants to do that with me. Yesterday, so here's, I'm going to wrap up the superhuman feat. Yesterday, it was, like I said, in the 30s. And I took the first dog for a run, second dog for a run. And I came back. I'm like, girl, you ready to go? She said, yep. She's very hard-headed, as you know. She said, a sweater is all I need. 
And I said, no problem. You're going to freeze your ass off. I didn't say that. My brother used to have an expression saying it was colder than a witch's tit outside. And if it was very, very cold, they'd say it was colder than a witch's tit in a brass bra. Now, because I have a three-year-old, I don't say tit, I don't say brass bra. I say it somehow, I don't know what this means, it's colder than a witch's trampoline. And that's what I've said to her for a couple of years. So now she says it's colder than a witch's trampoline. And I said, girl, it's colder than a witch's trampoline. She said, she's unfazed by it. We get out. I'm wearing a wool hat. I'm wearing gloves. I'm wearing two shirts. Socks are pulled up. I look like Elliot Perry. We go running for like a block and a half. And she says, Dada, I'm cold. I'm like, girl, I know. I try to tell you. Do you want to go back or do you want to keep going and finish this one lap? And then we'll go in and get warm clothes. And she said, I want to finish this lap. So we did the lap, come back in the house, get on a big, long, heavy pink parka coat that makes it impossible for her to move. We put on a hat. We get her mittens. And she's immobile, but she's going to be warm. So then we go back out to do the second lap. And halfway through the second lap is an incline. And she stops in the middle of the incline and says, Dad, I can't. And I said, what? I said, she said, I can't, I can't run up the, I can't. And she starts getting pissed. It's getting pissed because it's awkward and bulky to run in this stuff. Much like when you play Pop Warner football or Pee Wee football or whatever it's called out here. It's hard to run with all this crap on. So she said, Dad, I can't do it. And I said, I don't know what can't means. Okay. <laughs> I'm that dad. I said, I don't know what can't means, girl. All I, all I know is I just try. I, I, I mean, I didn't do it. I tried, and I wasn't able to. I don't say I can't, right? I said, that's fine. I'm going to run up to the end of the street, though, and wait in the sun. Cause she's, wait, she's starting to dig her heels in. This is awkward. In the middle of, you know, a 32-degree day in the shade. So I said, I'm going to run up toward the Clemson house, and I'm going to wait in the sun. And then she started going, no. I was like, and I'm just like, girl, I, I feel you. It's frustrating, no sweat. And she's getting pissed. And she's down there. And she's like sulking. And she kind of turns around. And I'm like jogging in place up at the top. I'm like, lady, I know. I feel you. It's freezing out here. I got you. I don't, I don't, but I don't know what you mean that you can't, you know. And she, I can just see her like seething. And her three-year-old wheels turning. And then all of a sudden she does like this exaggerated Jim Carrey elbow swing. And starts running and pumping her legs. <laughs> and I can see her dimples forming as she's smiling. Like she's chosen. <laughs> Fuck this guy. I'm going to run up the hill toward him. And she runs up the hill. And she gets up. And I said, girl, great job. You know, the problem, though, is now, anytime you tell me you can't do it, I won't believe you because I just saw you do it. You were eating those hills. And she goes, yeah, I eat the hills. And I was, like, doing, you know, Nike Dad. Like, you ate those hills for breakfast. And she's like, I eat the hills. And then we're on the flat, and she's just beaming and smiling. And we did the full mile, and the girl is a, is a runner. It's incredible. 
I was like, girl, this is going to be two bags. You're going to have a long, saggy, flat, white booty, and everybody's going to make fun of you like they do Taylor Swift. Anyway, thanks for listening, and most important, thanks for sticking with me uh, in those middle innings, you know, where it's like, oh, I missed with another pitch outside, and I used too many sports metaphors, or talk for 40 minutes about Argentina. You get it. It's a complex world. There's lots to go through our, lots of stuff that goes through our heads. I appreciate you sticking with me. Come to Limerick. It's the last one for me, for me, for me. And yes, I can now play Praise You by Fatboy Slim on the piano. Have a great week, and I will talk to you on Friday from Pasadena.